I'm Sonia Morton Firth, and you're tuned in to the Sonia Morton Firth Show. Today, my guest is Cameron Else, ex-paratrooper and MMA fighter. After 10 years of hard work and sacrifice, Cameron made his debut in the UFC, the pinnacle of combat sports. He took the fight with one week's notice in lockdown and had to shed 22 pounds to make weight. Watch this interview to be inspired on how a dream shattered and defeat can make you stronger than ever before. Cameron, thank you so much for being a guest again on my show. I can't believe it's been over a year when we were together last. It was August 2019. It's gone so fast. So thank you for being here again. I actually thought it was longer than that. Oh, it was yeah. August last year. Yeah, pretty good though, right? Yeah, well, it was, it, was, it was good back then. Done about now. Yeah. Although, look where you've come. So since yeah. then, big news. You're now in the UFC. Yeah. Um, before we go into the details of your debut fight, yep. I'm dying to find out more about that. Um, 10 years in the making, this yeah. hasn't been a short journey. No. But you always knew you were going to get there, didn't you? Yeah, 100%. How, how did you know that? Well, tell me about that. Um, so I actually, I've been, obviously since I've seen that, since obviously getting into the UFC and being around the whole like 10 year thing, I've had more people like dive in and ask me a question. And when I've actually sit, sat back and really thought about it, like why, how did I actually know I was going to get there? And I was explaining to a friend the other day that I just generally, I don't give up and I've never given up on anything that I wanted to do. Like, I just think it's in me, I, I can't give up. Like someone has to take it away from me and it be out of my power. But if I have any control over it, that means I can make it happen. So I wanted, I, I don't I don't ever look at things. And, if I want to do something or become something, I look at it and see it as I can do that. Like if they can do it, then why the fuck can't I? Mm. But I mean, you must have had like low points or points like 10 yeah. years. It's a long time. Well, what, what I was actually saying, so um, I've always believed in myself because ultimately um, I don't believe I've ever had anyone that believed in me. So as oh, a, that's interesting. Yeah, so I think that's pretty much what's fueled me. From a kid, I've like my parents, my family, friends, like I was... I was a guy on the football pitch that wasn't the best football player, but more importantly, like more so, it was my parents never come watch me play football or do anything like that. So it's something I like doing. Never come support me. Um, other parents would always be there, so their son would play football, regardless if I was good or not good. I can't really say right now, like because it was only me back then. But I, I never had anyone believe in me or, or watch me do something. So yeah. I always found that what I started to look for in life is that I just want someone to believe in me. And ultimately, by me keep going out the door looking for someone to believe in me, it was always me believing in me. So I had to, I was like, how do I get someone to believe in me? I've got to show them hard work, dedication. So I've got to speak it and do it. So I'd go out there and do it, do it, do it. I believe in myself, tell people with confidence, yeah, I know I'll do it. I'll do this, I'll do that. And hoping that they hear me and then they're like, that's the perfect student, right? Because I was saying before to Ben that I will literally, I'm the best student anyone could ask for. Like, I'll give you 100% effort. I will always turn up. There could be a hurricane outside. If you told me to meet me in the park at 10 a.m., if you ain't got hold of me to cancel the session, I'll be there strapped to a goalpost, like, waiting for you to turn up. But I'm 100%. I'll never look for an easy way out. So for me, it's like, Hello, coaches, anyone that believes in someone, then why don't you believe in me? So I think it was down to my self-belief that me just believing in me like, eventually got me here. Have you, have you looked back at that and thought, actually, the fact that people didn't believe you in, mm. in you back then has made you who you are today? Yeah, I was, again, without everything that's happened in my life, ultimately... <laughs> You wouldn't be in the position no. today, so you might not be the fighter you are yeah. today. So you I might have given up four years ago. Exactly. So there's a lot of. I believe that my story is so special and so great because you always hear about people saying believe in yourself, 
and often you'll get people that have made it and got successful and they did believe in themselves but they've had a team behind them that believed in them they had a good supportive family or or, or a best friend or a, or a nan or something that 100 percent was just like their fan they're there but i've never had any of that so i think i speak for a lot of people literally have done i've done this all purely for me like only me like i can literally thank me and just be like cam well done for not giving up on yourself like that's why it, it was really it was it was like it was really weird feeling of actually achieving it and getting it because how did you feel because they literally called like they told you really quickly before you had to well this is the thing like that there was talks when going back on the ufc in march last just before lockdown yeah. yeah um but covid kicked in i got i, I got asked basically it was like a standby to fight on the ufc london card so i said yeah sent my weight over then the show got cancelled the next day i was like how did you feel then? Because that must have felt like almost like you've done this for ten years. You, you've actually yeah. finally got. Yeah, it was going. It was going, but then um, my manager was like, "Look, we're going to be on the contender series in the summer." So I was like, "Sweet, like that's in my power." So when I get in that cage, I know I will knock him out and I'll get my contract because you're not taking that from me because I'm in control. And and then obviously the COVID stopped me from traveling to America, so I couldn't now go to America to fight so at first it was like can't actually train anywhere because England's locked down but I was like it doesn't matter it won't deny me I'll turn up without no training and I'll win that contract but then obviously I couldn't fly out there mm. so it's like that's gone now so I was like great and then it's like USC Fight Island the first Fight Island come up so then I get told um you're will you fight Jack Shaw um and that, that was a week and I was like yeah right done and then they come back and tell me that fight's gone, so not valuable, they've gone with someone else. So I was a bit guy, and then my manager was like, oh, would you, would you fight Nathaniel Wood? That's in three weeks. And I was like, 100%, like, let's do it. Like, that was actually better for me, because I had three weeks to get my weight down. And I didn't get told to go to London and get my blood on that done, really, because it was pretty much guaranteed. Mm -hmm. And then it didn't happen, and I was like, what? And I was like, yeah, they didn't take the fight. They he he pulled out, didn't he? Or he, he, did, he, did, he, didn't, he didn't pull out, because... But basically, his opponent pulled out, so he got he gets off okay. the fighters. Yeah. Um, I got told he was offered me. He reckons he weren't. Whether him personally weren't told as a fighter and his coaches didn't give my name over, whether that happened. But all I ever know is that the UFC had told me that they gave me my name. And it makes no sense to send me to get my bloods if you're not going to present my name to them. Especially when I know the UFC have been trying to get me in. So obviously, that pissed me off. Bad, to the point where... I wanted to just drive to London and bash Nathaniel up right there and then because I'm like, you're stopping me from achieving something. Here. Your dream, basically. Yeah. Your 10 so years in the making. I was frustrated, dream. but then ultimately, it wasn't Nathaniel's fault. Let's just say it is his management and his team around him. They've done right by him. Like, they went for the easier option. So it's a, it's a change for him, and he went off and got the win and that. But for me, it was just like, I started to hate a bit. But then I remembered, like, you can't. One thing I learned over the journey that I've been through over the 10 years is you can't concentrate on hate. Like, just get rid of it. And then they still there, Cam, you're still fluctuating around. So then I was just like, right, head down, keep training hard. But then I was trying to train hard. But then while I was then get told by my manager to stay ready, so I had to stay at a weight. So I stayed at a weight. But then you imagine like peaking for four or five weeks straight. So I was like doing pro boxing spine with pro boxers like twice a week and then doing kickboxing spine with my other coach I was just burning myself out and then it got to a point it, it weren't MMA spine or anything it was like just literally one to stand up so again as a MMA fighter we need to be spying MMA in a cage yeah. wrestling takedowns mix it all up so I then literally got through like all of August and Fight Island basically come to an end and end of July and I Blooded on through August, and then I get I said to my manager, "Look, I've got to have to take two weeks off or something because I've got tennis elbow, and I I damaged my knuckle through boxing, and it was all swollen up, so I couldn't even punch. So I was like, I'm take two weeks off because Fight Island ain't till October now, because it's the second time they come back round. Yeah. So I was, I was like, I'm just gonna wait till September, and then get back on training, train, try and train for that Fight Island because I knew it was gonna happen. 
How was training though in lockdown? Because I mean, it, it must have been. It can't be norm, your normal set of training, well, right? The it, thing, yeah, it, it was hard. Uh, it was hard, but it was made a lot better by obviously being with the boxers and being with Jermaine. But it just wasn't enough. And then because of I then obviously had I had that time off at the end of August. I thought just rest up my body. I come off my diet mm. and let my body just go back to normal. And then I was meant to start from September back at the fight camp, but I needed longer than two weeks. And my tennis elbow just got so much worse. And my knuckle was so badly bruised. I couldn't like get that knuckle in. It was all like jammed up. So I was like, to manage, I was like, I can't actually spar or train or anything, but I'm just going to run and swim every morning. And he's like, I just stick to that. So I just stayed that. Because what I didn't want to do, I tried to then go back kickboxing sparring. As soon as I sparred, I, I threw a punch, I clipped the elbow and it was like, took my glove off, hands falling back up. I was like, I'm going to get called up and I'm going to fucking go and have a broken hand. So it was very much like it was getting closer to Fire Island, but I was having to do a lot less because my body was just breaking. Yeah, yeah, you need so to do So then I was rest. just like, it was frustrating. And then literally I was just thinking, right, just run, swim and that. And then I then obviously got the phone call and they were like, manager's like, right, you get signed to the UFC. I was like, oh, would you like to fight next week? I was like, yep. And that's, sorry, that's a week's notice, which really yeah. isn't, much time at all because you've got a cut in that time mm. um, and then for anyone that hasn't cut before knows what that is it's pretty yeah. painful but process of getting your body to the right weight yeah so yeah I, I and think, normally what would you have three months or three yeah, weeks or I don't, I don't, six weeks I made bantamweight put it this way I made bantamweight in a week so I lost 22 pounds in one week normally 22 pounds in one week yeah. I mean most people know how much that's a lot of weight yeah, which normally I'd have three months of this training. Yeah. So, so it can't be particularly healthy or good for your system no. just to suddenly lose that amount. Normally I'd go into fight week £10 over. So I'd have a week to cut £10 easy. Yeah. So I know it's going to be a challenge. Um, but not only that, you had like the whole quarantine thing. You, yeah, you like had... that that's what really threw me off. I think, do you know what it was? Like, obviously I signed with them. And then I, obviously I, if I could pick any debut, I'd pick all those conditions. And I'll do it again because that's me. That's how I've lived my life. Like, I got to the UFC because I never say no. I, I fight anyone. Providing I can make the weight, I'm there. Um, there's no excuses. Like, I'm always the underdog because of the extreme measures I do to fight. And always say, like, for short noses and that. And until that fight, it's always played off. I've always come out victorious in... in those yeah, scenarios so for me the perfect fight for me is a week notice top 15 guy yeah sweet no, I'll go and knock him out like my visualisation for 10 years I was always going to get to the UFC in my view tell but, me about the visualisation because I think I, I, you know I've heard you talk about this before yeah um, I've always uh, I've always done it I didn't know I used to do it it's kind of like when I think of it and I try and talk of it now it's like having a magic power yeah yeah, like no, a, well, 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 yeah. yeah, tell me. So it's, it's like having a sixth sense. And the reason why I say it is like you don't know you've got it because you're young and you don't know what's going on. But when you then discover it in a book down the line and you're like, hang on a minute, it takes you back to a memory when shit like that happened to you. Then you realise, hang on, I've been doing this before I even knew about it. So, and again, the visualisation come back to a time when I'd like, finished training and like I said I was always on my own so I was I remember I'd been up at the gym and I was having to cut weight for this fight and I was so like I was on my own and I would come out of the gym and I like I do not stop thinking about fighting like there's there's not a day I don't go without watching fights there's like it's in me so the moment I sign a fight and I'm fighting that guy he's there and he don't leave and I think of everything so I come out of the gym and I was driving home and I was pitching how I'm going to win and I remember just, like, literally in my head, just going through it, walking to the cage, getting in there, doing what I did in the cage and in the mic speech. And, and I just felt this energy come over when I was driving. And it was like, like the emotion was unbearable. And it, I just burst into tears. Yeah, was, your body's actually reacting yeah, to a physical reaction yeah, because so, your brain is so it, powerful. Exactly. So I, at the time, I didn't, like, I have, I'd never, I never cried as a kid. Like, I was probably just call me a stone <laughs> so you get blood out of stone and yeah how why do you think you you think about fighting or i mean people will probably listen to this and think well what the fuck this guy just thinks about fighting all the time yeah. what sort of a guy is that is is that you know and it's not because you you're mm. like 
no, no, weird I'm, like psycho killer. I think it's, I, I honestly think it's because it was the thing that I could control most and show people how good I were. And it's not just a fight. It's everything that got me to the fight. Like the hard hours, the, the, the things that people don't see who, who don't train in combat sports and don't fight, they don't see the hours of lonely trips mm. to the gym. For me, the self, like again, going back to me believing in myself, it was only me. Like I was speaking to one of my students the other day, I'm my own coach. Like, I didn't even realize it until now that I was the guy that set my alarm. I'm the one that made sure I got up. I'm in the pool at 5 a.m. And when I get in the pool, I don't get in the pool and just go for a little paddle. I am breaking <laughs> yeah. my back. Doggy little doggy paddles. Yeah, I'm, I'm my own hype man. I'm like talking to myself. Come on, motherfucker, let's go. You've got to be faster than this. Like, that should be a coach there doing that. And yeah. I never had that. So through, through me just always doing that, it, it's like just blossom to now and but it's in your makeup well and if you believe in this this and i'm a real believer in mm. this we've all got our individual values and in, in life and clearly fighting is yours we're all different right yeah that that's what makes you unique and it usually comes from a void when you were younger like i think i think it is i think the void in my life was i've never i've i've never felt that anyone believed in me and because of that it's when i get to fight i know and i've had some really in my experience getting get to the UFC with promoters, I've had some really shit bad promoters who have done really shitty things to me. Like things where they've tried anything possible to make me lose. And I've just managed to bite my tongue, get to the fucking cage. Shut What do you mean they've done anything? The door. Like, Can you do, talk about it? Um, it, eh. it was, I'll say it for another time, but it's like, because ultimately I want to write a book and put in there exactly, but it's like the whole, it was an issue around Bellator when I was with them mm. on how they treated me when I stepped up short nose to fly out there and fight Conor McGregor's teammate, um, Dinan Took at the time. And I knocked him out, but the things that they did, put it this way, they dilated my eyes on the day of the fight. They dilated? Yeah. Wow. Which is illegal. You're not allowed yeah. to do that. And for them to do that on a day before How the fight, do they dilate? They put this liquid in your eyes. So I could I had no vision for five hours, six hours. And I was on the way to the venue with no eyesight. And that's because of this doctor. <laughs> but there's, do you know what I mean? There's, there, what, what I mean is that there's, for me, it was always like, once that cage door shuts, doesn't matter now. I'm in control and I want to fuck this guy up and that's what fueled me to just put the beat in. So if we go back to the UFC, to, to Dubai and what happened mm. there, the cage door shut just before that moment. What was your mindset like as you were going into the cage? So for this time, for the UFC, it was actually not what I wanted my mindset to be. Um, and the only reason being is because every time I've always gone into the cage, I know what my how I'm approaching this fight and how I'm doing because for example everyone knows I come out I come out the gate flying and I'm very high pace, very bloody and it's very aggressive. This time on the way to the cage I knew I'd suffered a really bad weight cut. So I also knew it was a weak notice. And for me it was like I know that this guy would have studied me and his team and they know that this guy comes up he's not to run out pretty much in the first round. All these wins are first round, 10 first round stoppages. So let's get them in the second or third. So I'm now thinking, right, do I come out and just ease off? And then basically just get pod through the first round. To give yourself get energy. Get the second and then leave it all in the third. So I just go out guns blazing, but I don't want to get tired like I've done in a previous fight where I've put everything into the first round. The referee saved the guy and then I'm fatigued because of a bad weight cut and then I die that way like in the cage um and you were massively depleted you walked into that cage mm. after no no sleep yeah so and uh and obviously losing 22 pounds in weight yeah so it it it, it was bad um first thing I'll, i'll say before i give reasons what affected the fight is that i'm not making an excuse for it like you can't, it's, the reason why it's not an excuse and the reason why I won't use it as an excuse is because I knew that when I signed to fight this kid, I knew his level, I knew it was a week's notice, I knew that the um, side effects to it is a bad weight cut will have a massive effect on my performance. I knew that I just signed to the UFC. Like, 
everything that happened, I knew. Like, say there's a pad there, I, re I could write yeah. it down. Yeah. I knew what I was getting into. Yeah. So I'm not using it as an excuse. It's not an excuse. I'm not trying to find excuses why I lost. But in order to get over the loss, I had to sit down and write down the facts. Yeah. And yeah. the fact is, I took the final week's notice. I had achieved my childhood dream of becoming a UFC fighter. It took me 10 years and that was such a big thing for me because of, of everything I've overcome. Like going on before about my self-belief, it was only me that believed in me. It was me that got myself up. Mm. So achieving that. Then it was the actual fact that I haven't MMA sparred or trained for over a year, which no one knew. Um, another factor, we quarantined on the Friday. I had to get COVID tested in London. Wait till my results come back Monday. So I weren't allowed out of the house. Stay till my flight. And then fly to Dubai, I get there Tuesday night, and then I get told, right, you're in quarantine, you have to do another test. So I've done a test at like one o'clock in the morning. 12 hours later, I thought, be allowed that, no, you've got to go for another test, and back to your room for another 12 hours. So that brought it like 48 hours. And then obviously, because it was like one o'clock in the morning, it's then I had to stay there till the next morning until I was allowed out of my room. So then finally, I come out of the room, bearing in mind, I flew in on the fight week, on the Tuesday, I was fighting on the Saturday. The water load held, held a lot of water on my body, made my weight cut more difficult. Being locked in my hotel room and not being able to run. I'm a runner. I run every day, period. Five miles per Yeah, miles. and that helps your um, mind yeah. as well, right? So I couldn't do none of that. I was just, it was also new to me. Dealing with the whole... I hadn't even really took on board yet the UFC thing. So that's another factor that... This was happening. The the weight was not coming off. I was looking at it, bloody hell. And we come the day I was allowed out. I literally jumped on a bike. We cycled to the beach, and we had to come back and start thinking about the weight. And then on the day where I had to cut the weight, I didn't want to start the day before because otherwise it'd be like it work out. If I started the day before the weigh-ins, then that night I'm not sleeping at all. And you know I haven't been eating. Yeah, and I hadn't been eating, so I like to get a good night's sleep. So I woke up at six a.m. and I started my cut. And I was 12 pound over. So I'd cut weight from the day they said, offered me to fight. From that day, I was 22 pound. Fast forward pretty much to the day the weigh-ins, I've now got 12 pound to cut. So I cut 12 pound throughout the day, finished about half past three. And it was after the weigh-in. We, so we weighed, we weighed in, faced off with a guy. And I started getting like real bad pain, but it's like I needed a toilet and this gets a bit dirty now. <laughs> Go on, you can but, say anything. <laughs> but basically, yeah, I had, um, you can't use the toilet because you ain't got no fibre in you, so you can't go for yeah, two. Yeah. But I felt like I needed to and it was really weird and then I went and it was like bloody. Oh and my it, God. And it was a bit, I was a bit like, okay, shit. Like, that? Like, yeah, that's so not I, good. So I messaged someone, I won't say who, um, but someone who could help me and I was like, look, a bit fucked up really, this happened and my, my kidneys were really hurting. So that's when I knew I pushed it, my body to the limit. Yeah. And then I uh, suppose when I said, right, try and get fluid in you. Yeah? So I put fluid in me. And then I still felt like I need to go for an tourian. So I'd go, but it was just water coming out. But it wasn't diarrhea. It was just like like the fluid was coming out yeah. of my rear instead of my front. Yeah. So then I ended up uh, taking a tablet that helps basically stop me from going to the toilet so I could start holding stuff. So I knew I was in deep waters then. Yeah, your body's not... So... That obviously had an effect on my performance. And then the next day, so bearing in mind that night, I couldn't really sleep. So I've lost out, that night I didn't get no sleep. I woke up fight day, and then I'm fighting now at 7 a.m. Sunday morning. So when I woke up Saturday, which is technically fight day, it's not. So I thought in my head, oh, that's fine. I'll just do my day as we did. And then when it comes around to eight o'clock at night, I'll go to bed. And because I didn't sleep night before, I'll be able to sleep right the way through. Mm. And I'll just wake up because Back home in England, I wake up at 5 a.m. Mm. and I go yeah. swimming at 6. So I'm like, wake up at 5 a.m. Yeah. yeah, go beat someone up at 7 a.m. Perfect. Is For me, it's perfect. But then, bearing in mind, it got around to 8 p.m. Yeah. My coach next to me is like, bang, sleep, snoring like a rhino. And there's me just wide awake now thinking of everything. Like, it like then it hit me about, oh, you're a UFC fighter now. So that started to come into play. And then it was like, I'm bored, it's like 11 o'clock, I've not stopped thinking about all the emotions that so I normally... So literally, what was going through your mind? I mean, I know what it's not, I mean, I didn't sleep last night, and your mind just goes through... Do you know what, it, what, what I realised was all the emotions I would get over an eight-week fight camp, 
but all now crammed into this one night. I was literally sitting there thinking of the fight goes this way, that way, that way, whenever don't perform, whenever embarrass myself. Like these are just natural things that always come in your head throughout yeah. fight camp. Yeah. But I'm one of these that the closer I get to the fight, the more of an animal I become and the more I get closer to the cage. A bit like there's, there's a famous video of Mike Tyson, he's saying how he's so scared, but he gets closer to the ring, becomes now when he looks at his phone, and then basically he's there head to head, he's ready to kill, but he shits it the whole way there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. mine's kind of like that throughout my whole fight camp, but I have like, I get offered a fight. When I find out the guy said yes, straight away it worries me a little bit. In my head, I go, hang on. You fucking got the bollocks to step to me. He said, as me. And I give myself 24 hours and then I'm pissed. And then I'm pissed off. Now you think you're going to disrespect me. Now I've got eight weeks and now come this week, like there's no, none of it, this emotion. So all this emotion was going on. And, I went, and then I started going on my Facebook and my Instagram, reply, rep, trying to reply to messages, because another thing, I'm now signed to the UFC, I didn't want to look arrogant, I didn't want to look like, oh, look, he's a user, can't reply to me, so, shit, I shouldn't be worrying about, or yeah, even thinking yeah, about, yeah. but because I was alone, and I'm in that zone of my own, and I was trying to deal with things, like, oh, I could just respond, and then there's a couple of messages that I see, and I didn't really like the way people pull it across, and people sending me bet slips, that don't really bother me, because people always win on me, but it was just like, just fuck off a minute. Like, I just needed to take a zone out, but I couldn't. And then I'm looking at the time, I'm like, fucking hell, I'm tired, but I ain't going to sleep. It's when I was 5 a.m. So I'd technically really been up nearly 48 hours straight. And then I'm off to the venue. So I go to the venue, and then when I got in the venue, I felt fine, hip pads warmed up, everything's fine. Hadn't really sunk in, I was a USC fighter yet. Got my shorts, my names on the shorts. I walk out to the venue as I walk out. Feels great. Get to the pit. They vast me up. I'm like, yeah, good. But on the way to the cage, that's when I was thinking, how am I going to approach this fight? Like, do I go hard? Do I go not? I shouldn't be thinking this. No, not at all. I but, mean, I'm not a fighter, but I guess I mean? your mindset's got to be solid and really. Yeah. So really with with, with an eight week camp, they they we we sorted out a game plan. I know what I'm fucking doing. I'm and now, what was your was your coach there with you? Yeah, coach was there, but they like they all said how we'd go. We all knew that I'd come out and. As soon as I lay one hand on him, he ain't going to want to stand. He's meant to be a stand-up fighter, but we're getting shooting. And the aim, as soon as he takes me down, I'll just smash him on the floor because that is my strength. Like, mm. I, no one beats me on the floor, especially in MMA when I get a punch on. So in my mind, it was like, my probably takes me down. So the whole game plan was hit him, hit rush in, and then we beat him up on the floor. So then when I got into the cage, I did notice that as I started to get towards the cage, my legs started feeling heavy. heavy. And I remember back in the early days fighting, it's called an adrenaline dunk, and I started to feel that effect. And then when I got in the cage, I see the big monster sign on the floor, the logo, and it's like, okay, I'm using okay. it. Fuck, I'm you in. Are a, I'm in. I look around, and I see like the commentators, like Dana White again, it's all them, and I'm like, all right, I'm here. This is the main card. Everyone's watching. Let's fucking knock this guy out, man. So I always said in my head, yeah, I'm going to knock him out. And then I just thought to myself, stop overthinking it, man. You Just hit him. Just hit him. He's going out. And... Then we come out and obviously through a couple of leg kicks, I knew it was happening because I'd seen that before in my visualisation of him and watching him, he always comes out for a couple of low kicks. I checked the third, knew it hurt him. And then I knew then he comes with his spinny stuff and I saw that, I was like, yeah, fuck off, you ain't doing that. Yeah. <laughs> and then tried to do a flying knee, just ducked under that, looked at him, had him on the fence, threw a couple of feints, didn't want, I could see he was scared, he was just like anticipating getting Yeah, hit. yeah, you look strong at the As soon as I hit him, his corner went, don't fuck with his power. And then my coaches were like, he didn't like that. And I was like, right, now I've got his attention. And then bang, he just fucking hit a double. And he took me down. And I'm not even joking, when he took me down, I just felt like everything leaves my body. I was about body. to say, so when, because I, I watched it, how, when, when he was there on yeah, top of you. Yeah, he took me down. And I, honestly, I went to like bump him off. And no, in fact, I moved, for, I, I did bridge him. I swept him straight away. But that took so much out of me. I did generally feel, I felt like, fucking hell. Like, At what exhausted. point did you think, fuck, I've lost this? Or... I, I didn't think I lost this. I never, I never ever in my mind think I lost this. I just thought, fuck that, it's going to be a bit of a long night. I'll just wait for my give it time and then I'll bang him. Like in my, <laughs> like, in my literally yeah. that calm and that collective, it made. And that's why if you look back at it, they never once do I look panicked or worried or scared or hurt because I weren't. And it, but in my mind, I was just talking to myself in, Fucking, he's like a little monkey jumping over me, and I ain't got, I can't keep up with him, like, because he was, and I could feel myself, like, easy to say to explain it, it, like I was saying earlier, if you've got, 
if you go and train chest tonight, do a, load of, a heavy chest session, next two days, your, your chest is burnt. You can't go lift any weights. So obviously from the weight cut, my body's fatigued. Yeah, yeah. You so now I was like, after I bruised him, it was like that was the last bit of my real like explosiveness. And anyone knows that trains me that they can't hold me down. I'll, I'll get out. I'm, I'm really explosive with my hips and that. So when I did that and I exploded and I went for the choke and then I remember thinking I heard a klaxon for some reason, but it weren't. I thought it was a 10 second. So I kind of just like built it out on the floor thinking, oh, whatever. He's not going to do anything. And he started like, he landed to cut the shots, cut the elbows. I'm thinking, this is a long 10, 10 seconds. And I'm like, that wasn't a 10 second klaxon. <laughs> so I'm kind of like, bit just, but do you know what I mean? In my mind, I'm just thinking about everything else instead of just concentrating this on. motherfucker. Yeah. Like, normally I'm just kill. Like, I don't care about the time. I'm, I, I don't want no time. I just want to get you. I want to just inflict as much pain and damage as I can. But I won't. I won't just weren't in that. And then I'm thinking, right, the, the round finished. And I remember getting up to my knees and I remember just thinking, I just sat there for a second. I was just like, I've got fucking bang him. Right, maybe I hold off in the second and leave empty it all in the third because then I know there's not another round. So I can just give it all, but I didn't want to empty it all in the second. Him just avoid punishment because we are remembering here that he's at the elite level and he's been training six months, so he's fully conditioned. So if he just needs to defend for a round, he could probably he could just defend. It. Yeah. And yeah. if I'm just gassing his feet, then you're going to kill yourself, yeah, walk and, yourself out. And then I'm, then I end up thinking I'm going to look stupid or whatnot. So I then get up and then I remember going back to my corner and I was just. That's when I knew I like looking back on it now. I, was, I didn't even pay attention to my corner because I was just thinking like. Were you out of it at that point? I was out, yeah. Because the commentator said that it looked like you'd been badly, like, hit yeah, and I, that you were, like... Yeah, so me, but, uh, it's, mean, it's so... Fr there. It is frustrating listening to the commentators talk, like, oh, he looked like he, he got caught or hurt it. There was no pain. I was just in my head, I'm thinking, fuck. Like, the game plan was to get him to fucking feel the power, take me down and smash him. That ain't worked. The world got really got to come up now. So it was kind of like... And then I, I knew that. I was thinking, right, how much just... Just connect, just connect with him before. And I, like, the, the round's gone, I'm coming out, gonna put it on him. He took me down. And then when I was on the floor, again, I never once felt like I'm in danger, he's gonna submit me. He'd never submit me. So, in my head, he was like, he's gonna do whatever I can just roll. He took my back, I wasn't really bothered. In my head, I'm thinking, the ref turned around and said, defend. When you take someone's back, the only place you can strike is here and here. So when I defend like this, that's intelligently defending. I'm like, he can just try and punch and that. And then I, I kept moving. But then he hit me with two elbows in the back of the head. And that's illegal. And I'm not... Like, at the time, I remember being... You know, and I had the rest of I'm going to stop the fight. And then the ref just stopped it. And I was I wanted to... Are you fucking kidding me, Mark? Come on, man. Like, it's my pro... It's my UFC debut. I'm not hurt. I'm not beating up. I'm not bleeding. Like... It's not like his grand and is like, oh, this is getting barely too much to watch. So I didn't know why he, uh, he stopped. And then he got a bit cocky. He was like, oh, where are you at, boy? Like, and for a split second, I was just going to turn around and fucking bang him. Like, I was just going to whack him right again. again. But I remembered what happened before with a fighter a long time ago in the UFC. He'd done that. He punched someone after the bell and he, he got kicked out. Okay. Never been allowed back. So I just calmed down and I remembered in the, the day, this kid's enjoying his moment. I leave him. And I just left it. And then I wanted to say, I wanted to say like, fuck that, there's no stoppage. But then I didn't want to look like the bad sport. Oh, look, he's coming a week's notice. I didn't want to leave a bad impression on all the UFC staff and think, like, why is this kid going off? He's just, because ultimately, I felt like death during yeah, the fight. Yeah. I did inside, felt like, I felt awful. And I was that embarrassed because how I felt inside, I felt like I was on the outside. It must have been terrible to watch and look at. So all of that was in my head. And then I, we got back and then my corner were like, no, you look well, man. You look strong, but you can tell like the cuts cut that like, done you. And I was like, yeah. And I get even coming back after, I didn't want to watch my fight back on TV because I was embarrassed. And then my coach mentioned me and he was like, watch it, bruv. It's fucking a lot better than you think. And when I watched it, I'm actually like, oh, I actually was so much worse inside body, feeling aching yeah, and all yeah, that yeah. than actually what I was putting out there. And I was actually looked all right. And I did out there. And then I had loads of people message me going, bruv, that, that was stopped way too early in that. So it's like, there is only, I'm glad other people have said it and not just me. But ultimately, what it comes down to is going back to obviously the main point was that I, I look at all of these now and I sit down and I put down all the fa factors. I know my next fight, them factors I've just ticked off. 
it's not like I've got to go work on my boxing or my grappling because that's been exposed like for whatever. That nothing's been exposed apart from my doing of taking the fight. Like they 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 were all going to bed at two o'clock in the afternoon and getting up at ten o'clock at night and staying up all night. I should have been doing that. Yeah, no, I get it. I, it's you. You were like yeah, you so, You couldn't prepare the way they yeah, prepared. So, so you weren't in the best physical condition because of the, the circumstances. Yeah, ultimately, on paper, on the night, on the fight, he was better than me. But shout out that he was a better fighter than me. At the end of the day, it's a fight, and he was the better fighter. He won. Like, like, but the que- the question, I guess, that I'd say next is, how do you? Because you know that was your dream. Ten years, yeah. dream in the making. You got to the UFC. And essentially, you, you lost. One thing that Cowboy taught me... Um, Who's Cowboy? Cowboy Serrani, uh, UFC absolute legend. One of my good friends. I live with him in America. Um, he's always said to me, you have 24 hours. Cry, shed your tears, feel sorry for yourself. After that, brush yourself down and get back on the horse. So, I finished the fight. Um, the reason why I was upset is and crying because I fucking hate losing. And 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 I I mean what I'm about to say now, one hundred percent. If they say if I got a phone call and they go to me, can you fight Khabib next week? And I go, yeah, because I'd say yeah. I would look on the paper and I'd say look at Khabib's fight. And I've already like I studied a lot of fighters anyway. Like I'm just obsessed with it, so I think I found every way out to beat someone. And I know one way of say I'm going to beat Khabib, yeah. Because I know that one way, I now 110% fully believe in myself that I'm going to go out and smash Khabib on a week's notice with no training. Now, to the world, it's like, no, you're fucking lunatic. And people won't get why I cry and I get upset after. It's because I genuinely believe that. My feeling towards that, I, I genuinely thought I was going to... I but thought the I very fact it. that you have that genuine belief is what makes you the contender. I am today, yeah. yeah. So, like, that's why I was upset after the fight. And people can sit and go, mate, it's a, like... My coach, Jermaine, he put it in a good way. He said, brother, said, it was wrong for you to win if you was to win. Look at it this way. He said, this guy's been training for three months, fight camp, his fight pulled out. He didn't jump back in another fight camp for three months. He's been training with guys who are on the same fight guard. He's in a full-time facility in America. He's done everything, sacrificed everything. You've been sent at home on your couch, not really training, not doing much, and you expect to come in here and just knock out this guy. Get a week's call. Yeah. A week's call. It's not fair. He said, look at it that way. He said, so the odds are were against you. And a strong factor that the UFC pointed out to me was that it's, it's just, they worked out statistics. So if you used to take a week's notice fight in the UFC on one week's notice, only 8% chance you'll win. That's how the level. 8%. 8%. So I was playing with 8%. But yeah, just I was, I was upset. Ran a pool. My coach got a bit upset. Uh, Neto, he, he actually mentioned to me that as I was walking out to the cave, he was crying behind me. <laughs> yeah, and... Um, I was like, why? And he was like, basically said, like, obviously, I'm his first student in the UFC. He, and then he reminded me of me and saying, mate, you always, you've always been the biggest believer out of my team. Like, you always say, I'm going to do this. You always said it. You've never not. You've always carried yourself like you're already there. You, and to see you actually fulfill your dream, put these UFC gloves on, he said, you've inspired me so much. Like, you've made me want to get back in the cage. Like, I'm so proud of you. Like, he was like, he was just a big, and I was like, okay. And then, I spoke to them and I said, like, why I'm upset. And one of the reasons were, like I said, my visualisation has always come out on top. But this time, it was a different ending. And I'd so, never pictured that. So it was hard. But then I, you just have to move on. Like. And how do you... Because I've been in... Well, I haven't been in your position in terms of a fight. But I've been there where I really think I'm going to get something. I'm going to do something. And I'll put everything into it. And then I haven't got it for whatever reason. Mm. Or something's happened. And it's taken me a, a while to, to sort of get it. to get over it and to get back on. And a, a little part of me is chipped away. Yeah. And I and I hate that because I hate that it's like, um, why should it chip away? You, you know, do mm. you cut? You shouldn't you cut? You should come back stronger. What What would your what? advice be to? Because you don't seem like a part of you is chipped away unless you're. No, it used to be. Like that's what led me into like a bad state of depression and that. Because I felt like, like I said, going back to my child, I never had anyone believe in me. So then when things didn't go my way and I meant to, it's like, fuck, is, are they right? Are they not? Like, say, so does it eat away at you? And it's only me growing through life and learning no matter what, you have, you have to overcome it and discovering books and stuff. Maybe knowledge things better. But 
the easiest way that one one thing that I keep saying now to my students is people need to stop making excuses why they can't go and do something they said they're going to do and start making every fucking excuse to do it. Like, find the excuse to get yourself there. If you say mm -hmm. you're going to train tonight mm -hmm. when you finish work and you finish work and you're feeling tired and instead of making up excuses and going, oh, but I've worked hard today and I've got to get up and that, you're mm -hmm. finding every excuse now yeah. to make it okay for you not to go to the gym. Mm -hmm. Fuck that. Change the way you think. Find every excuse why you have to go to the gym tonight. When your friends say oh, this and that, no, you find that once you are a little out here, half hour, I need to do this. I said, and I said, if you change that way of thinking, I promise you, you will become the greatest version of you. If people start making more excuses to why they've got to do something instead of to why they can't do something, they achieve great things. So I've always, without me even putting it into that content before, I've always done that, but now I can pull it into that little quote and people can really feed off it. So I always got off a short notice fights and always got, right, here's, here's a big risk for you here. This guy's been training, you're going to step in, wait above, I'm beating Bellator, right, right, fight him. Yeah, fucking do it. Because I'd sit down and write a bit of paper and write every reason why I shouldn't do it. And there'd always be 20, 30 reasons why you shouldn't take this fight or do this thing. But then I'd sit there and go, right, forget about that now, Cam. Think of one reason why you should do this. Once I've got that one reason on paper, that out takes out, out all those 20. Knocks them down. Jenga, bomb, got ya. I'm now going in. Balls, balls deep, straight in. You know? So I'll go in. And now, like, with that fight, yeah, there was 20 odd reasons, as I mentioned earlier, why I shouldn't have took that mm -hmm. fight. But there's one reason. If I'd gone in there and knocked him out in one round, not only did I get signed on a week, cut all that weight. Imagine all this stuff now that yeah, I'm giving yeah, you. Yeah, Imagine absolutely. if I find out now, can he yeah. went through all that and oh he's still God, done like, that. You'd be, exactly. Do you know what I mean? Be like, people are like, oh, this guy's the future. Like, exactly. Like, so, oh, so there's a reason that you didn't. Obviously, there's lots yeah, of reasons the, that you talked about. Yeah, so when I now look at that, I'm like, my excuse was, I get out, also, I get out there, they didn't tell me. You're going to the main card. We're having you on the main card. You're not on the prelims. I was top prelim. Like, out of all the prelims, I was prelim of the night. I was the main event on the prelims. So to come in on a week's notice and then to Dana White turn around and say to me after Wednesday, we've been trying to get you for a long time, Cam. Like, we're glad you're here with Suez, all the ups and downs, but you're here. I'm a big fan. Everything you bring to the cage, you're the fighter that I look for. Like, to hear like, him saying and say, like, you're going to be on um, my, if you don't know, now you know. And Dana White released it on his Instagram and top me on that top bill and say, this is the fight. This is a potential fight of the night. Cameron's got his... Like, hearing all of that, imagine if I didn't come out and done it. Like, it would have been, the reward was amazing. And now, I look at it after, I go back to my list, and how I get over this loss, I look back at all those things that were wrong, and I shouldn't have took it. And I look at them, and I go, what can I control out of all them? What is in my control? Every one of them. Like, next fight, that's gone. Yeah. Like, all of them factors are gone now. I'm not going to do a stupid weight cut. I'm now going to be training full-time properly like I were. That got me to the UFC. I'm not going to do... Um, I'm not going to get turned up four or five days before the fight and expect climatise and time difference. Like, there's so many... All of them are gone. So now you've got back to the real Cam Cheetah, the real version. I mean, the, the person who's been on a six-fight win streak, the person that's knocked out or stopped every person in the first round that he's won, when he's won. Like now that Cameron's coming into the cage and running at Shoesy Fight, and that's what the fans are going to see. And this had to happen to me. I look at it now like, it just makes for a better story. It's filled me even more. Like, I've now, I've already had my UFC debut. So next time I go in there, I ain't go, oh, what's it going to be like putting the gloves on, walking, seeing the monster? I've done it all. So now I just take all that. And I know that in my life, and I said to my fans and that, you know when you ride with me, you're in one, for one hell of a ride. You're going to have some highs, you're going to have some lows. But it's going to be a fucking roller coaster that you've never been on before. So this isn't the end of me. It's not like, I don't look and think, oh, I've got eight years left. No, you, you're you're going to win the bigger fight. You've got a bigger, something bigger. 100%. Massive. Like, like, and there's probably, there's a, I mean, I'm a big believer in fate and reasons. And, and, and obviously you do the, the tip list. Yeah. But yeah, you, you've lost that fight for a reason. Yeah, uh, I mean, other than the... Do you know what it is? Like, it's mad to think that, ultimately, like, but you've always won short notice fights. I've always been training. I've always been training. Like, training four times a day in America. 
yeah, I went in a fight camp. They get asked to fight. Went up a weight. Yeah, I didn't have to cut no weight. So I, I couldn't make lower weight, but they needed someone to fight at a high weight. Yeah, it's not a problem. It doesn't matter weight. So of course, like I delivered on the fight and it always went my way because I was training. But this time I didn't train at all for a year. You know? So what's your biggest lesson that you've taken from this? Um, my biggest lesson I've taken from this was I am a real fighter because many people didn't want it. Um, many people wouldn't take it. I generally went in there with the fact that I would smash this guy and that's a fighter in me. Like I, I, I'm so real and in touch with myself. At this age of my life now, and this stage of my life, I know who the real Cam is. Like For many years, I lied to myself because I was dealing with demons and I was like had a lot of shit going on. What were the demons that you were dealing with? Just like, ever since I came out of the army, I, I, I went into like, severe depression. And just hit it from the world. Like I was always known as the tough kid, so I had to like just deal with it that way. And it ended up taking me to a real, real dark patch and a place where I hit rock bottom. And at the time, I hated it, but now I'm so grateful for it. My brother used to say to me, "When you come out of this, you are gonna be so thankful." And I am Stronger, because tougher. I believe that the seeds we plant today, we reap rewards in about two years, three years turnaround. So. What I was doing, I was planting, I had my patch and I was planting my seeds, but I was also planting some bad seeds with it, the negative vibes, the positive. So yeah, I was getting real good highs, but I was getting real shit lows because I wasn't carrying my life fully that way. I was holding on to hate, I was holding on to anger for people. I wanted to hurt people who had hurt me. So by a famous uh, quote I'll see, and it always hits me out, and I think it's from a Buddha, drinking, Carrying hate for your things, like drinking poison, expecting them to burn. Right? It was, yeah, I think it was, was it, Man, was it Nelson Mandela that said the point of the snake? Well, anyway, something was, like yeah. that. But I'm not, and it was like, it's so right. Like, if you're if you're holding on to hate and negative energy, yeah. like if I'm hating and I'm slagging someone off and I'm hating, all right, he's over there somewhere on the other side of the world, wherever. They're not. He's I'm got the, the benefit. He's yeah. got he's got the upper hand. Yeah, I'm the one that's suffering. Suffers, so. yeah. There was loads of stuff, and then but when I hit rock bottom, I realised, and that's when I like discovered the books, and then I discovered the positive energy, and I need to cut all negative energy out. So then I had to re—I relaid my seeds in 2018, and I believe, literally, it was 2018 October to January February, I went through the darkest time of my life where I didn't think I was going to be here, um, and I got through it, and. It's a short amount of time when I look at it now. At the time, it felt like forever, but it was. It is a short amount of time. But I managed to come out at the end of that, discover, but and then snap the fuck out. So, so actually, let's draw a parallel on where people are today, because people are watching as we're about to go into another lockdown, yeah. suffering with mental health illness, people co are, you know com contemplating suicide. What helped you get out of that place? Is there any? Do you know what I've started? I put together. I started putting together a charity called Fight the Demon um, for mental okay. health. Um, I honestly believe that I've come up with the correct formula to prevent mental health. I, I believe that my charity and my formula of how I help people deal with mental health and get out of suicidal thoughts and stuff like that is going to be the biggest global breakthrough for mental health. Wow! Can you talk about that? Yeah, I can yeah. give you a bit of that. So, Fight the Demon for me, it I can tell you exactly what it is because. I ain't got to tell the formula because no I one knows that. Yeah, you, could, you could use it. I can use it. But basically, I honestly believe, and before anyone asks, no, I've got no degree in psychiatrist or any bullshit like that yeah, to exactly. say I'm qualified to help people on paper. Yeah. But I've been through it. I've been through well, the lowest. That's lives. the, be that's tried the big, to, best qualification you exactly. can have, right? I, I've, tried to do, I've tried to do myself up. Scold a bottle of whiskey, took 11 Valium, fuck it, whatever, I seem to have done. Wait, like, I've done that, yeah, and I, I went through a stage where I got to a point where I was in America and I wanted to literally, I didn't even want to turn up training because, like, the demons in my head were just fucking me up and I thought I'd just kill myself today. And that's what I wanted to do, but I didn't because I made a promise to my son on that. Like, there was a surprise coming because I had a holiday booked. And, but that's where I got to, no one even knew I was at that stage of wanting to do that because... It, it was such a weird feeling going on, but but when when I got to rock bottom, actual rock bottom, which was 2018 summer, I started getting those suicide 
visions and it come round. I hit rock bottom in October to say January time where I was there. But one thing I learned is I this is what I believe in suicide. I believe that every person that commits suicide doesn't actually want to commit suicide. What it is is you subconsciously think about it continuously. Oh, I do it, and you go, you go for that walk. You pick that tree. The next time you go for the walk, you hang off that branch. Next time you go, you put the rope around the branch. Subconsciously, you're just putting there because you, well, bang, you, it's too late. You're gone. All right. So, I believe that subconsciously we go there. We no, nobody wants to fucking die. Like actually die. As much as they say they do, like. We don't want to, but subconsciously, if you keep thinking something, keep telling yourself something, something, time, time again, you end up acting. How many times have you done something and you, you've realised, fucking hell, I can't remember what I've done, but I've done, I've just done that. Yeah, or, more you do how many times have you got in your car? Habit, huh? becomes an action, becomes yeah. How many times you've got in your car and drove home and then realised that you've gone through three traffic lights, but you can't actually remember if they're red or green. Like subconsciously, you just you just react, and the more we put in our brains, the more we just react towards it. So what I just what I what I found was. Um, the problem, there was helplines for me. There were people, man, man's club. And they said, I'm depressed, motherfuckers. I don't want to talk to no one. I don't want you to know that I'm suicidal. I don't want people, because people look at me like I'm some fucking big, tough guy, don't have these thoughts, don't have all that. No, I'm human, I'm just like everyone else. And I was dealing with it, keeping it closed, but ultimately for me, was, I had to find, why is, why, is it, why is it getting worse? And why is there no cure? I tell you why, because nobody wants to ring, telephone, speak to yeah, someone yeah. that they've never met. Oh, but I'll speak to you on the phone. And no one wants to go into a man's club and sit there and go, oh, yeah, let's sit here and I'm just going to tell you about me. No, no thanks. Don't want to do that. Just keep it to myself. I do it with myself. So for me, and then psychiatrists and that, what's it take? Ta just off the top of my head, let's say it takes four or five years. I don't know exact amount of years, but it takes four or five years, say, for them to become qualified to be able to sit in a room for one hour with someone. I'm sorry, but the amount of psychiatrists coming through to the amount of numbers that need people sitting in the room, you're completely outnumbered. Yeah. There's 100,000 people, let's just say 100,000 people a month wanting to commit suicide and sit down and Probably talk to someone. Probably a lot more now. A lot more. But now we've got one psychiatrist, or we've got... Oh, maybe, one, maybe, one maybe, trained counsellor. Let's say in, in England, we've yeah. got 5,000 psychiatrists mm. coming through now. 5,000, but you've got over, now by the time you fall qualified over five years, like, you're just completely against it. And it doesn't matter how many helplines, it's not working, it's not working. So we need to come up with something that works. And what I've come up with is, what leads you to depression is you not identifying your inner demon. And every person that watches this and every person in day-to-day -day life has a demon. And the reason why I call it the, the demon, and I say like fight the demon, because you're not in. Com I'm not in competition with the man I'm sitting in the cage. I, I I found this out ages ago. I'm not in competition with anyone in life. I'm in, yourself. I'm in competition with myself. Yeah. I'm in. I'm in competition with the man in my head. Yeah. The person yeah, absolutely. that tries to make an yeah. excuse for me not to go to the gym tonight. So I fight against myself all the time. Absolutely. But this is what I'm saying. Like, oh my God, you are spot on with that. Yeah, exactly. So it's a negative energy and it's a positive energy, right? So. You know, if you don't achieve a goal or don't set out something to do, you feel shit. You feel down. I beat myself up yeah, the most. Exactly. So ultimately, let's just say that each way I explain it to my students and people I work with, like life coaching, like one to one, what we've got to do, we've got to stop setting ourselves up to fail. We've got to actually identify the inner demon that we think suffering, but it's actually not. And it's a simple task. And I honestly believe what leads us to depression is our own mindset. And I honestly believe that once you, if you don't, if, if I don't get you to identify your demon and actually understand what little things you can change, it changes your whole day and your outlook to be a positive day and you're in a good mood the whole time. But one bad thing leads to another, leads to another, leads to another, you've had a real shit day. Okay, so what I do is identify your demon, I can bring it out, get you to identify it, and the more you identify, the more you realise how many times it comes to play, the more you can actually go, hang on, no, Piss off, you're not winning today. You've almost got me to not do that assignment. I need mm. to do it because if not, I'm going to be in trouble. All right, so you get it done. No, I'm going to iron the thing because I need to start off tomorrow in a good way. It's Monday morning, I need to mm. be positive. I'm going to go to the gym because that's it. I'm going to do it because yeah. I said I'm going to yeah. do it. If yeah. you say you're going to do it, you do it. So that's what I basically, that's what my thing is. And my thing is when you hit rock bottom, it's too late. Let me tell you something now. When you hit rock bottom, 
it's not survival of the fittest or anything like that. But the only person that's going to pull your ass out of rock bottom is you. Yeah. No counsellor, no fucking helpline. Like, that's not working. I hate it when they say, oh, there's an old school club, go and have a chat here. Um, no one knows. Listen, how many times have you seen someone commit suicide and you're like, no one knew? He yeah, seems so yeah, happy. Yeah, he's taking pictures of his kids and that. Exactly. Hiding it. So yeah. we are not going to be... It's a... the silent ones you've exactly. got to worry about. It's not the ones that are talking because the ones exactly. that are talking have got a, a more but confident about... What we need to understand is that it's not about help like that. We, we are not going to be able to give people magic powers to identify, are you okay? Yeah, yeah I'm really good, man. Just pretty, yeah, loving life. Oh, uh, no, hang on. I've got magic power. No, he's actually really suffering. We don't know. You're never going to know. So what we need to do is stop them from going into that negative way. Yeah. And how we stop them is by identifying the voice that automatically sends us there. So I've come up with a formula that I do certain things to get you to actually train against... I've, I've set you for a challenge where you're, I will find something that your inner demon will be loud as hell in your head and you'll be like, nah, not today, and you'll beat him. And the more challenges you do and you beat the demon, you're identifying the demon. And that's why I'm starting out called Fight the Demon because it Fight will demon. literally stop people from. Well, I'm looking forward to you talking to me after the show about how to discover the demons, although I know my demons. If someone wants to find out more about that, have you got a website or links um, or if they want to find out more? Currently at the minute on Instagram, Project Combat Westbrook is a thing that I've been putting together in my hometown. Um, Fight the Demon HQ is going to be there, that's going to be headquarters. But other than that, just. Keep on my Instagram and that because I'll be looking to. And we'll put that link yeah, on you. I'll be looking forward to it. Like I say, for me, I know it's going to be the biggest breakthrough. Like, there's the setup that I've got for. Do you know, like they do November, yeah. October, yeah. there'll be Fight the Demon Month. That'll be around the world where people will raise money for Fight the Demon. That'll become the biggest thing. I love your passion. I love the fact that you see so big and you know where you go. Mm. What's next? Uh, future. I mean, look, 20, 2020, let's forget, 20, what, 2021? 2021, I will rewrite my beginning in the UFC with a dominant performance. Who do you want to fight first? I'd love to stand in and just, like, call out people, but I respect work that's done. At the end of the day, I lost that fight. I don't have the right to sit here and start calling who I want. But after I beat whoever they put in front of me next, there'll be names I'll be calling. And I honestly, without a shadow of doubt, I'll be the UFC champion within two years. Like, UFC champion. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And to everyone, I know, look, the people didn't believe I'd get to the UFC. Now they believe. I, I can't be in the UFC and not believe I'm not going to be the world champion. I think you've got exactly the right mindset. Do you know what I mean? I, I know that I have to... Tools, tool set to beat anyone. I actually believe that the top ten is easier than the than the, the entry to the top ten. So I know that the, I rack up a few wins and I handpick like handpick meaning I call people out and say I want you 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 and ain't gonna be no one behind me. It'll be people in front of me. And I know I started literally. I'm, I'm a nightmare for them. And I, I honestly, I was saying before to a friend that my self-belief and my visualisation, there was always that 10% doubt because I had so many ups and downs where I wanted to get because it hasn't happened yet. So you kind of think, is this, like, why is this happening to me? You kind of not believe that 10%. But I would always, I'd rather keep going until I say they pull it away from me because yeah, then I can yeah. go, right, well, I, I, I didn't give up. You got pulled away. But now that 10% of doubt has been fulfilled. I've made the UFC. Yeah, I've done it. I'm here. Absolutely. So now I realise, hang on a minute, it 100% works. So now I'm going into the next stage of my career now with 100% belief in my hard work, dedication and commitment, and which will no doubt take me to the UFC gold. I'll on that note, this. which I, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, right, I want you to fight because you, you're going to win. Uh, on that note, my last question, and I asked you this the last time, yeah. um, and I remember your answer, but I'm not going to tell you that. This time. Yeah, if you were to write a message in a bottle for future generations to find, what would that message be? Believe in yourself, believe in your future, and then I'd say start finding, instead of making excuses not to do something, find every excuse you can to do it and you'll achieve your self-greatness. Love it. Cam, thank you so much for being a guest no on worries. my show. And I look forward to the next time. Yeah, yeah, 100%. <laughs> Cheers. Next time I have a belt. Yeah, exactly. Show, so.
But yeah, thank you. Hope you enjoyed the show. Remember, there's a new interview out every Monday. So hit subscribe and like and you'll get it straight into your inbox.